Sorry if I sound a little nasally in this episode, I'm having some pretty bad fall allergies, but pollen aside, I'm in a situation that I think a lot of Americans are right now. I'm happy that Trump lost, but I'm not so happy that Biden won. In what should have been one of the easiest elections in American history, Biden just barely eked out a win against the guy who killed 230,000 people. Democrats didn't gain control of the Senate, and they actually lost seats in the House. With what an incredibly awful year it's been, with the amount of material that the Democrats had to use against Republicans, I would call that an absolute failure of an election. An embarrassingly tight win that speaks to the frailty and unsustainable future of the current Democratic Party. So let's talk about the Democrats, the election, and what the Biden administration brings to the table. You're listening to Hidden History, I'm Ellis Tucci, and this is episode 92, Future Imperfect. So, let's get this out of the way right at the beginning. There will be many people who view the election of Joe Biden as a repudiation of Trumpism, as proof that Americans really live somewhere in the center, and demand not progress from their institutions, but decency. I think it's very difficult to overstate just how dangerous of an idea that is to get inside your head. Now, I imagine that if you listen to this show, then that is not something that you think. But, unfortunately for my audience size, not all of America listens to hidden history. There will be people who champion the return of a healthy Republican Party and behave as if Trump was some anomaly that emerged out of the mist for reasons unknown. A big, and I would argue only significant, component of the Biden campaign was this idea of a return to social and democratic norms, the injection of politics with a hefty dose of respectability. Now, to a degree, that kind of thing is important. If the legitimacy of our government is truly derived from the consent of the governed, then it is necessary to have institutions that don't appear to be outwardly biased or fraudulent. But there's a problem with that. Making our institutions seem nicer and more respectable does not change anything. What it does is give an air of legitimacy to cruel and illegitimate actions. Joe Biden skidded into the presidency with very little in terms of concrete policy, choosing to base his appeal on his celebrity from the Obama administration, on his depiction as a nice silly old man who likes ice cream and sunglasses. Kamala Harris has done a very similar thing in her campaigning for the vice presidency. She's positioned herself as a bubbly, pop-culture-savvy woman who wears jeans and converses and walks out on stage to Beyoncé. What Biden and Harris have done is position themselves as a campaign that draws its strength from the aesthetics of politics. As Barack Obama said the other week in a stump speech for them, if you elect Biden and Harris, you won't have to think about them every day. Essentially, things will go back to normal. But let's peek under the hood real quick. 
what are some things that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have done while cloaked in this veil of kindness and respect for democratic norms? What does normal entail for these specific people? Well, in the name of democratic norms, Joe Biden authored the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, which directly targeted black and brown Americans and massively accelerated our mass incarceration epidemic. In the name of democratic norms, he rallied Democrats to support the disastrous Iraq War, which killed a million civilians. In 2005, he helped pass the Bankruptcy Abuse Protection and Consumer Protection Act, which did an incredible amount of work to accelerate the student loan crisis. This is the guy who said that Roe v. Wade, quote, went too far, and that a woman doesn't have the sole right to what happens to her body. The only reason, mind you, that he was added to Obama's ticket in 2008 was to court conservatives. In 2010, Kamala Harris supported a truancy law for the state of California that made your child skipping school punishable by a hefty fine and up to a year in prison, a law that she then used to disproportionately jail single black mothers. And when she was asked about it, she laughed. Kamala Harris intentionally put trans women in men's prisons and intentionally withheld evidence that would have freed death row inmates. As prosecutor, she intentionally prevented prisoners from getting parole so that they could be used for slave labor to fight California's wildfires. What Biden and Harris campaigned on was a return to a quieter, more respectable cruelty. We have now successfully gotten rid of Trump, and we've handed the keys back to the people who gave him to us. With failure to gain control of the Senate and losses in the House, we might be looking at four years of incredible obstructionism. But that might not be the case. Without any pressure or arm-twisting from the Senate, Joe Biden has signaled that he wants to name a large number of Republicans to his cabinet, including Meg Whitman, the billionaire former CEO of Hewlett-Packard and former Republican candidate for governor of California, and John Kasich, the former Republican governor of Ohio who forcefully tried to shut down every Planned Parenthood in the state and break the back of every union in Ohio. James Clyburn, who delivered South Carolina to Biden in the primary, has a gut feeling that Mitch McConnell won't be as mean to Biden as he was to Obama. Now that remains to be seen, but if it's true, it's not because his heart is warming to progressive change. It's because there's not such a difference between what Mitch McConnell wants and what Joe Biden wants. There's a sentiment that I've seen going around where people are saying, you know, I'm really looking forward to having good faith policy disagreements with Republicans again. Let me tell you that is not going to happen. Trump was not some spell that magically clouded the judgment of every Republican in the country. He correctly articulated the goals of the Republican Party, but in a rash and impolite way. And so, when you see now people like Mitch McConnell calling for every vote to be counted, that's not him showing solidarity with you, that's him cutting Trump loose, conveying to him that he has served his purpose and the Republican Party has no more use for Donald J. Trump. It's Mitch McConnell trying to get you to congratulate him, for you to imagine that there are any higher principles for him beyond the accumulation of power. He's trying to establish legitimacy in the new administration so that when you're not thinking about Joe Biden every day, he can do whatever he wants. 
And if you think that that's wrong, that the Democrats will resist him, then just think about the quote-unquote resistance from the Democratic Party the past four years. All of Trump's military budgets were passed, giving him more money than even he asked for. The Democrats gave him money for the kids in cages, and they did absolutely nothing to stop the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. Mitt Romney, who was so openly welcomed into the arms of the anti-Trump resistance, said this morning that whether or not he voted for Trump is, quote, in the rearview mirror, and that he's going to work with the Biden administration to, quote, make sure we don't have a Green New Deal, we don't get rid of gas and coal and oil, that we don't have a Medicare for All plan put in place, and that we don't raise taxes on American enterprise. If you think that these people are going to operate in good faith and compromise with you, then you're a mark. Biden ran a campaign that courted Republicans instead of the young progressive vote. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Thanks to his acceptance of Bush-era grifters like the Lincoln Project, he's signaling that Republicans won him this race when they demonstrably did not. More Republicans voted for Clinton in 2016 than Biden in 2020. Centrist Democrats are already telling the left that they are the reason that this election was so close, when in reality, young progressive voters bit their tongues and voted in record numbers for the least inspiring and least visionary candidate in recent memory. Democrat Abigail Spanberger sees the close results as a sign that Democrats need to further refute progressive change and move further towards the center, blaming Black Lives Matter and socialism for the fact that Joe Biden was down-ballot poison for Democrats. And this, in my opinion, is the root of our problem. Anti-activism within the Democratic Party. After getting lukewarm results from running an incredibly underwhelming centrist candidate that offered nothing to improve the material suffering of millions of Americans beyond platitudes, Democrats have decided that the way forward is not to provide the progressive change that people crave, but to double down on their mistakes and become more conservative. Because that's what centrism is. If you are a centrist, you are a conservative. This election was not a repudiation of Trumpism. 70 million people voted for him, and they don't just disappear. If you want Democrats to have any semblance of power, then you need to look at why this election was close. And saying half of America is irredeemably racist is not an acceptable answer. Because if that's true, then just give up. If you think that half of this country is beyond salvation, then I don't want to hear what you have to say because it's obvious. It's obvious that you haven't thought about it very much. The way that you get these people onto your side is not to write them off, it's to offer them policy that improves their material conditions. 75% of Americans support Medicare for All. That number includes a lot of Republicans. If you want their vote, then don't spend your campaign budget making a video of movie stars telling people to vote. Give them what they want. Voting is a transaction. I remember when Obama was elected at the end of the Bush administration, people were elated. The bad guy would be gone, and soon he wouldn't have to pay attention to politics every day. And while we were asleep, this country rotted more and more until the only thing we deserved was Donald Trump. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not people to be celebrated. They should be your enemy. 
They have made your life materially worse. Yes, they are not Donald Trump. But that doesn't cut it. If we give this new administration an inch of breathing room, they will cement in place a miserable future that guarantees a more competent and polite fascist takes their place in 2024. So by all means, be happy that Donald Trump is gone. But don't act like this is a major victory for democracy. We've just traded one Republican for another.